Nurse Kylie here. Today, we are going to focus on endocrine disorders. When you think about the endocrine system, you should think about glands working with the nervous and immune systems. These glands can overwork or underwork, creating an imbalance in function. Before we get too far, I want to let you know that you can find more information about today's discussion in Chapter 52 of Brunner and Stuttart's Medical Surgical Nursing Textbook by Hinkle and Cheever. Now, let's begin our high-level overview of endocrine disorders. The glands of the endocrine system include the pituitary gland, thyroid gland, parathyroid glands, adrenal glands, pancreatic islets, ovaries, and testes. Each gland of the endocrine system creates hormones. There are four types of hormones that are categorized based upon their structure. Most hormones travel through the bloodstream and act upon distant target sites, but some target the locations in and around where they are released. Assessment is one of the key aspects of patient care and is the first step in the nursing process. A physical assessment should always include a head-to-toe inspection, vital signs, and palpation of the skin, hair, and thyroid. Many endocrine disorders have characteristics that are a dead giveaway for certain disorders and should create a red flag for the examiner. Characteristics can be physical, psychological, and behavioral. Examples include moon face, buffalo hump, increased hand or feet size, lethargy, fatigue, and nervousness. Now that we have gone over some key assessment data, let's take a closer look at some of the most common problems caused by an imbalance in the endocrine system. Let's talk about the pituitary disorders. Diabetes insipidus is the most common disorder of the posterior pituitary gland and is caused by a deficiency in antidiuretic hormone, also known as ADH. What this means is that the hormone that prevents urination is low, causing the patient to frequently void very diluted large amounts of urine. This creates the feeling of being very thirsty since the patient is losing a lot of fluid. Desmopressin is used to treat this disorder and it is important for the nurse to educate the patient on this medication to ensure compliance. Syndrome of inappropriate antidiuretic hormone secretion, also known as SIADH, is the opposite of diabetes insipidus. With this disorder, there is too much ADH secreted, causing patients to not be able to urinate, and they retain fluid, causing sodium deficiency. This syndrome is caused by a central nervous system disorder, such as a head injury, brain surgery, tumor, or infection. Nursing interventions include strict diagnose, daily weights, labs, and neurologic assessment. Now, on to the thyroid disorders. Hypothyroidism is caused by low levels of thyroid hormone and has a range of severity from mild to life-threatening. Hashimoto disease is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. Symptoms include extreme fatigue, low body temperature, low pulse rate, low libido, and low metabolism resulting in weight gain. When you hear hypo, think low or slow. A major concern in patients with hypothyroidism is cardiac dysfunction due to low metabolism. The low metabolism allows food to stay in the system longer and can increase cholesterol levels which can increase the risk of coronary artery disease. 
Hyperthyroidism is the opposite of hypothyroidism and occurs when there is too much thyroid hormone being secreted. Graves' disease is a common cause of hypothyroidism and is also an autoimmune disorder. Symptoms of this disorder include nervousness, hyperexcitability, irritability, rapid pulse, palpitations, and an increased appetite with weight loss. When you see hyper, think high or rapid. Cardiac complications are also a concern as patients may experience sinus tachycardia, palpitations, and if left untreated, can result in cardiac hypertrophy leading to heart failure. Now on to the lesser known, parathyroid. Keeping with the hyper theme, let's talk about hyperparathyroidism. This disorder is caused by too much parathormone and manifests as decalcification and the development of calcium-containing kidney stones. Too much parathormone causes calcium to leave the bone and enter the bloodstream. So, you would see an elevated serum calcium level in these patients. On the other side, hypoparathyroidism occurs when not enough parathormone is produced and causes a decrease in blood calcium levels. Due to the low serum calcium, the nurse may notice a positive chopstick or trousseau sign upon examination. Now let's talk about specific adrenal disorders. Addison disease, or primary adrenal insufficiency, also known as PAI, results when there is insufficient production of the cortical hormones. Symptoms include muscle weakness, anorexia, GI symptoms, fatigue, emaciation, dark pigmentation of skin, low blood pressure, low serum sodium, and high serum potassium. The last two symptoms of low sodium and high potassium can result in chronic dehydration. Corticosteroids are used to therapeutically treat this disorder and to help prevent Addisonian crisis from occurring. Cushing syndrome occurs when there is too much cortical hormones being produced. This typically occurs during the use of corticosteroid medications rather than overproduction in the adrenal system. Key characteristics include moon face appearance, buffalo hump of the neck, heavy trunk with thin extremities, and sleep disturbances. Key indicators for this disorder includes increase in serum sodium, and glucose with a decrease in serum potassium. Rarely, this syndrome is caused by a pituitary tumor, which would be treated by surgical removal. Primary aldosteronism causes the kidneys to excrete less sodium and more potassium. Hypertension with hypokalemia is the most common signal that this is occurring. Most often, surgical intervention is required, but sometimes spironolactone is used as treatment. Lastly, let's briefly talk about the pancreatic islets, ovaries, and testes. I am not going to go into too much detail regarding the last three glands, as the pancreatic islets will be discussed next week, and the reproductive glands are only a small part of the overall discussion. The reproductive glands secrete reproductive hormones. Oestrogen and progesterone are secreted by the ovaries, and androgens are secreted by the testes. These hormones are vital for reproduction. Before we end, let's have a brief discussion about corticosteroids. 
To wrap up this discussion, let's take a minute to talk about corticosteroid therapy and the nursing interventions associated with it. Corticosteroids can be used to treat acute conditions such as status asthmaticus, eye infections, and various dermatologic disorders. As a nurse, it is imperative to always ask about topical and ophthalmological medications. Corticosteroids can affect the cardiovascular system, so blood pressure should be monitored and the legs should be checked for DVTs. Corticosteroids increase the risk of infection and can also mask infection, so hand hygiene and general precautions are important to stress with patients. Long-term use can result in vision changes, so yearly eye exams should be encouraged. Going along with the increased risk for infection, poor wound healing and atrophy can occur, so a high-protein diet should be encouraged, as well as the installation of fall precautions. Alterations in blood glucose levels can occur, so blood sugar should be monitored, especially in those already diagnosed with type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Electrolytes and INOs should be frequently monitored, as many of the conditions mentioned today affect one or more electrolytes. Lastly, make sure you educate the patient on the importance of tapering their corticosteroid dose to reduce the risk of complications. I hope this general overview of the endocrine system was helpful. Again, if you want to do a deeper dive into any of the conditions mentioned in today's episode, read Chapter 52 in Brunner and Stuttart's Textbook of Medical Surgical Nursing. Until next time, keep on accelerating.